0: Hello, and welcome to the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast, brought to you by North Carolina Sustainable Energy Association. I'm your host, Ben Stockdale. Hey there, Squeaky Clean listeners. Today's episode brings us to the mountains of Boone, North Carolina, where I'm on campus at Appalachian State University for the Appalachian Energy Summit. This annual three-day conference brings together industry, government, and nonprofit thought leaders in the clean energy space. This year's theme was creating a resilient energy future as a direct response to the need for us to adapt to changing markets, weather patterns, and technologies. I was able to get some awesome guests on the show including all 3 leaders of North Carolina's energy centers, students who presented at the conference, and the state's lead on implementing Governor Cooper's executive order 80. More on that later. Without further ado, let's jump right into these great interviews.
1: Hey. Clean energy. Woo.
2: Hi, I'm Raphael Schreiber from um, UNC Charlotte and KIT Karlsruhe in Germany. I'm doing research on assessing space heating, resi- space heating resilience uh, for cold climates um, in cooperation with uh, EPRI. And why were you originally interested in resiliency? So uh, resiliency is uh, very important for homeowners. Um, to keep their heating system running during uh, outages and loss of um, natural gas. So to to, to keep the thermal comfort in the building. And um, for this, we we looked on um, different heating options in the US, and most of them are based on natural gas and electricity. And then we um, checked different backup uh, options for um, uh, for the heating systems, how we how we can make them more resilient to to uh, loss of electricity or natural gas, and assess them in terms of their size um, to give uh, homeowners um, the ability to decide uh, between different options. And what would you say to homeowners that want to make their home more resilient? Um, I would tell them to to get a generator. Um, in the case of loss of electricity to keep the gas furnace, for example, running, Um, or to um, get a solar-assisted heat pump and a um, sensible thermal energy storage. And what makes you interested in energy in general? So um, we all rely on energy. We need it in our daily life, and it's super important. Um, We see it in the winter, we need it to, to keep us warm. Um, so, energy is one of the most important topics um, for our future, and also to look on, on uh, renewable energies and green energy um, to, to have less CO2 emissions, and um, yeah, that's why I'm interested in energy for our future generations. And Rafael, what's next for you? So for me, it's next to finish this project uh, and then going back to Germany and telling the people how, how I liked uh, the U.S., what great experience I had here and yeah, to tell people to come to the U.S. and to, to study here and do research. Great. Thanks for
0: being on the show, Raphael. Cool. Thank you.
3: I'm Sarah Sutton, I'm a first year graduate student at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, and I'm a physical chemist, so what I do is I look at chemicals through like a physics lens, so I characterize the properties of specifically materials that are used for like solar panels.
0: Cool, and tell me a little bit about your project.
3: Uh, So what I do is I essentially take a laser and I shine it at the precursors to the solar cell material perovskites, which is great, has a very high, like, power conversion efficiency. Um, And I map out using images how the electrons move throughout that precursor. So you can see, like, using this, like, laser radiation with the reflection or transmission through the material can like be correlated to electron population. And you want good electron population to have a really good, efficient solar cell. And then you can map out over time how those electrons diffuse and how they relax back down into um, the like non-diffusive state. Essentially, what we do is we want to make sure that we have a material where electrons can move easily because when electrons move easily you have good currents like you have good electricity
0: so we're talking about efficiency
3: yes essentially we, efficiency yeah
0: we love efficiency on the podcast
3: yes yes so what i do is i make these pictures that kind of show how efficient materials are That's
0: very cool and uh what were some of the big takeaways
3: um, I just the biggest takeaway from my project is that when we looked at these precursors, so for example, I'm looking at lead iodide. Lead iodide is turned into a perovskite, and the perovskite is what actually goes into the solar cell. But the precursor material and the quality of the precursor material dictates the quality of the perovskite that's used in the solar cell. Um, and what we see is we see a lot of structural differences. So you can have like these like different thicknesses in your like platelets or your nanoribbons that you're using, um, and those can either hinder or like increase your electron-like flow throughout your material.
0: What got you interested in uh, renewable energy?
3: Uh, I kind of, I don't know, at at the University of Mississippi where I went to undergrad, um, I kind of just joined this group and they did research, like chemical research. on.
0: You got to give this group a shout out.
3: My oh, it's the Hammer Lab from the University of Michigan. Hey yo,
0: Hammer Lab.
3: Yeah. So thank you, Dr. Hammer. Uh, you sparked my interest, but I just felt very fulfilled, and I felt like I was actually making a difference with my research because I think a lot of times in chemistry, you sort of get bogged down in the minutia, and you kind of are like, "Why on earth? Like, am I doing what I'm doing? Like, is what I'm doing actually like worth something?" Um, and I definitely do feel fulfilled, and I feel like I am making a difference.
0: Cool. And what do you think the future is for solar?
3: Uh, I mean, I'm biased. Um, I think. Because I do my research on it, I think solar is the way to go. Um, I'd give it maybe like 10, 15 more years until we have like solar panels everywhere because perovskites are such a great, cheap material to use for solar panels.
0: Cool. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for being on the show.
3: Oh, thank you. I feel so honored. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hi, I'm Jamie Russell. I'm an associate professor of building science at Appalachian State University. And more importantly, I'm the director of the Appalachian Energy Center.
4: Hello, I'm Greg Monty. I'm the director of the Energy Research Center at North Carolina A&T State University.
5: And I'm Steve Callan. I'm the executive director of the North Carolina Clean Energy Technology Center in the College of Engineering at NC State.
0: Great. And how are the energy centers driving the conversation behind the advancement of clean energy in our state?
4: Well, uh, all of us participate in the state energy planning that's been going on for the last six months which is going to have a major impact across North Carolina. If you look at us historically, we've been around for um, a
5: long time. Uh, Greg's center and my center have been around since the 1980s. Jamie's center since the turn of the century around 2001. And we've always been kind of the, if you will, the hands and feet of the state policymakers in delivering services around North Carolina. So when it gets time to deliver you know, whether it's workforce development or it's K-12 through STEM education relating to renewable energy or it is uh, applied research to try and figure out how new technologies fit into the grid here. We're the organizations that kind of link the university professors and the research capabilities and the students of the universities to the real world of energy here in North Carolina and make a lot of this work happen.
1: I would add to that and echo what Steve said and say that Having the, having the resource of the students, the passionate young minds who are interested in learning and pushing forward in this area, and having the faculty with their research agendas and being able to link that to the users in the state, if you will, the people, the people who need to have that information, need to have some research done, is a really powerful piece. What are you most excited about right now that you're working on? Hmm.
5: A lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, we do struggle sometimes to have the resources to be able to work on it these days, but we are doing a lot of work, as, as Greg alluded to, with the uh, Executive Order 80 work uh, to try and help the state figure out what its future in energy looks like. And we are you know, helping uh, the state energy office at the Department of Environmental Quality to hash through uh, the technical capabilities of the state and what we can do on that front. I think programmatically, um, we have a lot of interesting programs that we're doing with Department of Energy support. Uh, right now, we've just wrapped up a project where we were looking at energy efficiency, resources that are allocated across the state and trying to figure out ways to make sure that those resources are not uh, squandered and that they don't overlap in ways that are inefficient and that we can get the, uh, the best bang for our buck, if you will, between LIHEAP funding and weatherization funds and state, um, state agency funds and state utility funds that are all designed to support low-income uh, customers. Uh, we're also uh, working right now on uh, the State uh, Sustainable Fleets Conference, which is coming up in about a week uh, in Durham. And so we're doing a lot of work on the transportation front, uh, laying groundwork for the VW settlement funds as they start to roll out, as well as some of the other funds uh, around electric vehicle deployment. And uh, we continue to do a lot of work in other types of uh, you know, alternative fuel transportation uh, as well.
4: And uh, I'll i start off saying we're all standing here at the State Energy Conference in the in App State, and I'll let Jamie talk more about that if he wants to. But the thing that's really top of mind for us at North Carolina a right now is a conference we're running in two weeks um, in mid-August on sustainable urban systems. And we're bringing city participants from across the state and uh, directors of sustainability and educators, researchers from universities, uh, not-for-profit groups and government planners together to understand and try to define what a proper research agenda would be for uh, building a better and more sustainable urban system for all cities in North Carolina. I think that's a huge opportunity. It's going to be followed. This conference, which takes place on 14th and 15th of August, is going to be followed by some proposals for additional funding to drive this effort further. So it's really a focused time for us at a and
1: so the Appalachian Energy Center, we 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 really pride ourselves on having this uh, very strong workshop and education component, and we serve primarily the western part of the state. And so we have great workshops, we have uh, great educational opportunities for those who need continuing education credits. If you want to learn about uh, you want to learn about uh, PV installation, micro hydro, wind turbines, you name it, there are courses there are courses out there. So we're we we put a lot of effort into delivering quality materials along those lines to educate professionals in various fields. Um, from insulation installers to lawyers in the energy in the energy realm, so we're we're happy to have that that resource and offer that and offer that to people from across the state. Boone's a nice place to come during the when they're offered, so come on up and visit us. Um, and we also we also um, we're not a land grant institution, but I think all three of us really serve as energy extensions. Um, all three of the centers have this ability to, we, like you mentioned before, leverage faculty research and leverage students to go out and do energy assistance, energy, uh, energy extension work uh, at the residential, commercial, and the industrial level. So we're excited to push those fronts forward.
0: So in closing, what are you working on right now that you want to let our listeners know, and, and how can they find out more about the work that you're doing?
1: Well, one one thing that we'll be launching in the near future, locally at first, is a residential-focused um, energy extension. Uh, so, if you want to have if you want to have a PV uh, a PV audit, if you want to put the photo of photovoltaic panels on your roof, um, we'll be offering some services along those lines. We're going to pilot it within the university first. Uh, so. Uh, Keep keep posted. I don't want to say too much because we haven't launched it yet, and there's some legal issues we have to we have to work through to get that done. But there'll be there'll be some um, working working in the space between between the large energy uh, contract services and the folks like Whammy working in conjunction with them, working in that space to to make uh, to make the residential sector first a little bit more efficient. So,
0: and where can we learn more about uh, what you're, what the work you're doing?
1: Uh, if you go to energy.appstate.edu, you can find out you can find out more.
0: Great.
4: And um, at a and I think the two biggest things that we're doing right now that are critically important to the state are uh, participating with the, the governor's directive, Executive Order 80, to, to reduce energy and reduce carbon emissions and, and electrify our transportation sector with more electric vehicles. We're gonna, we have been involved for over six months in the planning and, and strategizing around that. I expect that all three of our centers will be directly involved as the execution begins later this year and into next year. So that's one place that I think we're going to have a big impact. Hopefully execution
5: doesn't refer to the centers. Yeah and then um,
4: and and, uh, as I mentioned before we're really pushing hard to do city sustainability so we hope to have a leadership position and all three of us are participating in the conference that we're running in a couple of weeks and we expect that to build and get bigger and have a great impact on sustainability in all of our urban centers across get, the state. If
1: I could tag on really quickly on the sustainable urban systems, the SUS, not as in doctor, but the SUS conference or SUS summit. Um, the, the goal is to have the users, the people who have the needs, bubble up uh, the critical issues, the grand challenges of the state, and then we can help uh, get the right people together in the right places and hopefully find some funding to solve those, and the mostly federal funding coming in to help solve those problems. So it's really exciting. It's really it's really great that um, Greg and Vicky have, have spearheaded
5: that. Yeah, and I guess you know from our perspective, there's a, a, a number of different projects, but I'll highlight two. You know, at the um, national level, our center is well known for some of our work on the public policy front. So most folks know us for the DESIRE database, the database of state incentives for renewables and efficiency. And we've, we've just finished going through and updating all of the utility incentives in there and uh, are now um, working. We've just finished adding um, energy storage incentives to the database for the first time. So we're continuing to grow out the DESIRE database. And one of the side projects that spilled out of that because we've lost federal funding for DESIRE from the Department of Energy as well, uh, so now we have to find ways to fund the DESIRE project uh, at the same time as the center. Uh, but one of the projects that spilled out of there is something called DESIRE Insight, which is a new... Um, kind of consulting practice that we have that focuses on looking at something that we've not historically published in DESIRE. DESIRE is really about incentives and regulatory programs that are in place. DESIRE Insight is really the three Ps, the proposed, planned, and pending. So we have reports that you may have seen, the 50 states of solar, 50 states of grid modernization, and 50 states of electric vehicles that we publish quarterly that tracks all across the country what's going on on those fronts. And we're in the process of rolling out some new products in that space. And so we're very excited about that. That that project is uh, growing. And if you're interested in subscribing or learning more about Desire Insight, you can go to www.dsireinsight.com to learn more about that project. The Desire database itself, which everyone is probably familiar with, is www.dsireusa.org. Uh, And then at the state level, uh, we also are excited about Executive Order 80 implementation and what that means, but we have some other projects uh, that we've been working with the Department of Energy to try and receive funding for. One of those is a a grant that we've just submitted uh, that's going to allow us to do work on solar land use uh, conflict issues across a five-state range from uh, Virginia all the way down into Florida. And so we're working with NCSEA on that grant, and we are looking forward uh, to work not just with them, but with the University of Virginia, with the Florida Solar Energy Center down at UCF in Florida, uh, and some folks at Georgia Tech and at uh, Coastal Carolina, I believe. And if that grant comes through, we'll be doing a lot of work to help make sure that solar developers in those five states have fewer barriers when working with their local governments uh, to site solar projects and to make sure that we've got uh, good, effective rules uh, that are not overbearing on the decommissioning front and you know, on other parts of the, uh, the solar siting and land use question. Big projects.
0: That's all very exciting. Thanks so much for all the work that you do, and thanks for being on the show.
1: Thank you, Ben. Thanks,
5: Ben. Bye. Uh,
6: my name is Sushma Moore I am the Deputy Assistant Secretary for Environment for DEQ, and I also serve as the State Energy Director.
0: Great. And can you give us, uh, for those listeners who are a little less familiar, can you give us a high-level overview of what Executive Order eighty is?
6: Sure. Uh, Executive Order 80 was signed by Governor Cooper in October of 2018. It is a comprehensive uh, starting point for addressing climate change and its impacts, Uh, but it prepares the state agencies in understanding how climate change is affecting the programs and the services we provide, and it tasks uh, specific agencies to do specific amounts of work. Um, For example, DEQ is tasked to prepare a clean energy plan Uh, with stakeholder process, and deliver that plan to the governor by October of 2019. Department of Transportation is asked to prepare a North Carolina zero-emission vehicle plan uh, related to clean transportation. And then the Department of Commerce is tasked to prepare a workforce assessment related to both clean transportation and clean energy. Uh, In addition, the Executive Order 80 uh, sets um, a statewide aspirational goal of reducing our greenhouse gas emissions by 40% by 2025 and also uh, achieving um, about 80,000 zero-emission vehicles by 2025 on the road. And so these are uh, goals related to reduction of uh, greenhouse gases, but more creating North Carolina a market leader in technology innovation and deployment uh, because there is a a trend towards uh, the uh, transformation of both the power sector as well as the electricity sector with these new technologies. And we feel like um, if the state plans and uh, prepares for it, there is tremendous opportunity uh, for economic growth and cleaner air, cleaner water. Um, And then finally, uh, EO80 also addresses... Uh, climate change, science, uh, adaptation, and resiliency. Uh, so it asks the DEQ uh, to work with state agencies and local governments uh, to prepare a climate risk assessment and resiliency plan. Uh, it's, a, it's in Section 9 of EO80. Uh, in addition to that, it uh, calls for state agencies to assist local governments uh, in addressing resiliency-related uh, uh, planning requirements.
0: You've been hosting a lot of workshops and listening sessions. What are some of the key takeaways that have come out of those uh, events?
6: Oh, wow, that's a really good question. There's so much that has come out. Uh, the workshops and the listening sessions have uh, provided us input from almost a 1,000 North Killing Indians. Uh, one of the things we asked through a survey in each of these uh, events was, what are the values um, the uh, folks uh, see as maintaining moving forward to a new vision uh, of a clean energy uh, future. And the values that uh, came at the top, whether we talked to a government official or a business person or an industry representative or a private citizen, uh, was uh, by far twice as high uh, for environmental as well as carbon reduction. Um, So that is a clear message from the public as to what they see the future of energy uh, to sustain and maintain looking forward. Um, The second, third and fourth and fifth uh, values prioritized related with affordability, uh, energy uh, burden and um, also uh, equity related uh, matters, but uh, reliability uh, and uh, economic development. And so that has become um, the tenet behind uh, building a vision for our clean energy future. Uh, We provided a statement of the vision at one of our workshops and received uh, good feedback on that vision. Uh, Now we're working towards, to get to that vision, what are the recommended actions that different, what we call, actors can play. And those actors can be the governor's office, state agencies, local governments... Uh, corporations and private businesses, and also the legislature and the North Carolina Utilities Commission. Um, so we've been able to come up with, um, uh, working through the stakeholder process, uh, prioritized lists of recommendations where actions can be taken. A lot of good has happened in North Carolina in the energy space, and uh, what we're hearing is, let's continue and let's maintain North Carolina as a leader in this space.
0: We're all rooting for you. Uh, We're all going to work together to achieve this. What can our listeners do to help achieve some of the EO80 goals?
6: I think the listeners can uh, disseminate this information. There's a lot of education that needs to happen. Um, A lot of people that already know about this understand it and get it. Um, One of the things we have to do uh, as the people that are in this space is reach out to those that are willing and open-minded uh, folks to learn more. Uh, I often uh, talk to people who, where they have other priorities and, and teach as much as I can or understand what's important to them and how what we're doing um, can add value to those decisions. Um, whether or not you think about uh, how your lights come on and, or how you drive your car and where, you, where what kind of car you drive, ultimately the consumer... Uh, is affected by uh, these um, directional um, uh, ways we're headed. Uh, so I think everyone does have a stake in it. They may not realize it. And part of that is uh, communication, patience, and um, you know, teamwork.
0: Teamwork. We love it. Sushma, thanks so much for being on the show.
6: Sure, Ben. Thank you.
0: want to thank everyone at Appalachian State University, especially Deef Alexander, for working with us on this podcast and organizing this awesome conference. If you would like to learn more about Appalachian State's work on sustainability, you can visit them online at sustain.appstate.edu. As always, thanks for listening and have a great day.